your favorite grasslands PR team. This week we're back with another reason why these overlooked and underappreciated ecosystems are objectively the best biome. I'm Rachel. And I'm Nicole. Uh, And today we're going to talk about another really fun parasite. We're going to talk about ticks. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm excited. Disgusting. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's our last spooky episode, so I had to just go for it, because ticks are gross. Let's be real. Yeah, they're actually the worst. Um, Also, who says that spooky season has to end just because October does? That is valid. Spooky season can just live on with us every day of the year. Mm -hmm. In our hearts, in our souls, um, in our podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not every episode, but, you know. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be the last, like, gross thing we talk about, for sure. <laughs> so if that's what you were expecting, dear listener, I am so sorry. <laughs> Never done talking about gross stuff around here. Um, do we want to give an update on the Belleville Prairie Bowl? Yeah. Bell Bowl. Bell Prairie. Bowl. Oh, yes. my goodness. The Bell Bowl Prairie. Yeah. So the Bell Bowl Prairie, um, as of this morning, October 27th, actually has uh, some pretty big support. So um, there was a lawsuit filed against um, not only the airport, but also like Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, And they are demanding that uh, there be a halt on all construction until spring so they can do more surveys in order to find out just what plants and animals are using this prairie and to try to save it. So that would be a huge win. Um, Doesn't mean that we should stay quiet if they do end up halting construction until then we still need to stay on them and keep yelling <laughs> so that they know that the public is mad and that the public wants this prairie so um definitely we still have a few more days um at least until monday construction is for sure stopped um but we have a few more days um please if you have not visited savebellbullprairie.org do that and send a, send an email give a call all that good stuff make your voice heard yeah Cool. Well, okay. I'm prepared for ticks. Mm, I'm always prepared for ticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when I go outside, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Oh, do you want to tell us how you prepare for ticks when you're outside? No, that's boring as hell. <laughs> tell me what you want to tell us about ticks. No, it's important. That is part of my notes for this episode. So uh, thanks for saying that it's boring. It I really is. appreciate it. Put on bug spray. What kind of bug spray? Like deep. Eh, DEET works kind of, but permethrin has been shown to work way better. And a yeah. lot of people don't realize that. So I just stuck up my tongue at Rachel. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, uh, permethrin is like the best s- spray that you can use. Um, the best way to use it is going to be to actually treat your clothes beforehand. Um, and then once your clothes are completely dry, that's when you can wear them. You don't want permethrin on your skin um, when it's still wet. But that is going to be the best way to avoid ticks. Um, if that's all you needed from this episode, you're welcome. But you should stick around because there's some good facts coming. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I wanted to go a little bit about like the basics of ticks how they work, how do they feed, that kind of thing. But then also going into some of the pathogens that they can spread. Um, And 
just, you know, some some Q&A stuff. A lot of questions. We kind of hear the same questions a lot of the times as environmental educators. I just want to make sure that people know what they can do to keep themselves, their family, and, you know, their pets safe. So let's dive on in. Rachel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many species of ticks there are in the world? Oh, hell no. Absolutely not. (laughs) Far too many, I'm sure. Yeah, there's over 900 different species of ticks. I don't like knowing this. Uh, Cool. Yeah, I had no idea. I I knew there was like a few, but I did not think it was in like the hundreds and hundreds. And most of those don't pose any risk to humans. So they're Uh, just not talked about a lot. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think there's like 15 species in the U.S. that can uh, transmit diseases to humans. So the ones that are a little bit more important um, are lower. But fascinating that there's almost 900 of them. Did you know that ticks also exist on every continent? No. Even Antarctica. No. Like wild populations? Are they introduced? No. Oh, no. They just go on animals. Yeah. Okay. Golly, that sucks. I hate it. Thanks. Even the penguins aren't safe. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So there's these Antarctic ticks that I had no idea existed until I did some research for this podcast. Um, and yeah, they love seabirds, especially penguins. They hitch a ride on the seabirds and are transmitted around the world that way. So that's pretty fun. And this particular species, um, it's Ix- Ixodes uri. I think, maybe, um, is actually found in the Antarctic, but also the Arctic Circle. That makes sense. So, yeah, pretty impressive. And it has the widest range of any known tick because of that. Well, let's not give the ticks too much praise because they're definitely just hitchhiking on the backs of Arctic terns or something that are, <laughs> you know, very well-traveled and actually worthy of our praise, unlike the ticks that are just kind of hitchhiking. <laughs> I mean... Okay, but also this tick can survive really ridiculous temperatures that don't make mm. any sense for them to be able to survive. Mm. <laughs> they can survive temps as low as negative 30 degrees Celsius, negative 22 Fahrenheit, and as high as positive 40 degrees Celsius, 104 Fahrenheit. That's too big of a range. So ticks are just like, master survivors and like i knew that to an extent before doing this research but now it's just even more mind-blowing and a little bit unnerving a little bit yeah before well did did you see that tiktok of the centrifuging ticks before after you started the research for this podcast before it inspired me Oh, so bad. Yeah. Apparently, tick researchers, when they gather ticks to bring into the lab, they have to clean them first. And live they, ticks. Yeah, live ticks. They clean these live ticks in, like, ethanol and water and bleach. And it's not just, like, a quick dunk. Like, they pour them into these and then put them in a centrifuge and spin them around super fast. And they're just fine afterwards. They take them out, dump them into a new, like, little enclosure, and they just, like, crawl around and act like nothing happened. They don't even appear dizzy or anything. (laughs) And it's disturbing. It's, yeah, Uh, it's disturbing but amazing. I'm so impressed by them. Okay. Rachel is not impressed by them. Hmm. Put them in the dryer, they say. Oh, just run the dryer. That'll kill them for sure. 
Or hey, dryers say? dryers reach over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, so. Well, you said they could survive over 104 degrees Fahrenheit. They reach over 104. It's okay. fine. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> tell us more about how uh, undestroyable ticks are. Okay, gladly. Um, not only are they really good at surviving really cold temps and really hot temps, they're also really good at not drying out. They can avoid desiccation um, by simply hiding under rocks, but also if they lose, like, I saw a couple studies said they lose, like, 30, 40, 50% of their weight in water. They're just fine. They don't care. Everything's fine. Yeah. Are they basing all this on, like, ticks that haven't just had a blood meal, right? Yeah. Like, in their normal state? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those blood meals, they tend to only have one meal in an entire year, mm -hmm. especially like these Antarctic ones where they're feeding on penguins that are really only active for like a couple months. So they have to get all their feeding done in that time frame. And then they just hide under a rock and hope for the best. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> it's amazing. It, yeah. It really is. <laughs> Insects are going to be just fine when we destroy the world. <laughs> I mean... As we continue destroying the world. Yeah. But also, they're not insects. They're arachnids. Arthropods are going to be so... But yeah, that's a good point. Because they do look very spidery, and that's not an accident. Yes, yes. They got eight legs, only two body segments. They are not insects. They have Just two body segments? Mm-hmm. They don't have one? I... No. How does a tick have two body segments? Let me, let me make sure boo-boo she's gonna say well they're not an insect so i don't know about them as much ticks have two body parts no! just like spiders i hate it wait <laughs> so they have a head yeah weird that's where all the mouthpieces are and they have some wacky mouthpieces let me tell you <laughs> oh god <laughs> so if you've never seen a video of like usually it's like an animation but if you've never seen like a video of ticks feeding I haven't. I, I recommend looking it up, but I also <laughs> don't if this is like a fear of yours and ticks are, you know, uh, yeah, maybe just don't look it up, but I'll describe it for you anyways. Um, skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> so they have their body, their mouth parts are very, very unique. They have like two outside pieces that are like little saws and they slowly saw into your skin and it kind of pushes the skin away so that their main straw-like mouth part can then pierce into your skin and suck up all your blood. Really interesting. <laughs> huh. Okay. Yeah. Disturbing. Mm -hmm. uh, impressive. Mm -hmm. What more can I say? Yeah. And it's even more complicated than that because a tick's saliva is extremely unique. Let me guess. Anticoagulants. Yes. Antibiotics, microbial stuff, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, not enough mm -hmm. to make you not get diseases because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they suck. Um, <laughs> uh, pain numbing. Mm -hmm. um, what else would a thing like this have? Um, <laughs> that's all my guesses. Those are all very good guesses. Yes. Antihistamines. Can't forget those. Yeah. Their saliva is... There's over like 4,000 different proteins that we have identified Jeez. in tick saliva. <laughs> and um, a lot of them are kind of doing the same things and kind of interchangeable. But it's really helpful to have all of these different kinds because it means that they can feed on a wide variety of different prey items. And it also means that, you know, 
when they first bite you, they are sending a bunch of different proteins into your body. And before your body can start to react to those proteins, they will actually change the cocktail and use different proteins and enzymes to trick your body and so that you can never actually mount a defense against them. Fascinating. Wow, that makes sense because they have to stay latched on so long. It's like a mosquito where they just like suck and run. Correct. Yeah. Most ticks will take, you know, three days, even up to a week attached to their host before they get a full blood meal. So they have to remain undetected and attached that entire time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. They actually, which I've known about this for a little bit, but I had never, it, makes me a little um so i never really looked into it super deep until now um but when they bite you they're you know doing all these different things they're making sure that it's not going to itch they're making sure it doesn't hurt um and they're making sure that your blood is not going to clot so that they can drink it easier Mm. and all of these different things together they are also making like a pool of blood underneath your skin they actually the enzymes in their spit will break down like this (laughs) the skin and make a little cavity that they are drinking from is that why i often get bruises from tick bites probably (laughs) interesting (laughs) yeah it's it's gnarly it's so gross like they just make a little feeding cavity underneath the surface of your skin and just slurp it all up Nicole's laughing at me because I'm making a lot of faces. It's true. You're, I'm just throwing that out there because she probably sounds like she's losing her mind. Um. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's really cool, though. Is it? Is it I cool? Guess. I mean, yeah, you can't say it's not cool. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. some really cool adaptations that allow it to do exactly what it needs to do and do it in a, uh, yeah, I don't, um, unique way. Yes. And the fact that they, like, change up the cocktail, like, as they feed so that you literally have no chance at mounting, like, an immune response to them is just Mm mind-blowing. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wild. And something else that I found, admittedly, I think this was, like, 2007-ish, but they mentioned that we only know what about 5% of those different enzymes do. The rest are a total mystery. (laughs) So, yeah wild do all of those proteins originate from the tick yes they are ones that the tick are making yeah i'm just naturally trying to figure out like where in some ticks that spread alpha galactose around and give people reactions to that is mm-hmm. that something that's just in the saliva because it's left over from a feeding or is it something being produced you know like obviously there's stuff that gets left in them that from feedings that gets transmitted yeah so not everything they're spitting into you is going to be coming from the tick yeah absolutely and we'll we'll talk about pathogens don't you worry um (laughs) uh but i just have one more little thing you know how how are they finding their hosts oh that's a great question yeah this is something that i feel like a lot of people like kind of know the answer to but don't know the full story Um, So they, ticks are able to detect like really, really well um, through a sense of smell. Um, They also can detect heat and vibrations extremely, extremely well. And they can even track um, using, by picking up carbon dioxide in the air. So that's the stuff that you're breathing out. And so 
most tick species will do a sort of searching behavior or questing behavior where they climb up a plant and just kind of wave their little arms around. Like it's kind if it wasn't so creepy, it would be kind of cute. Um, and they just wave their little arms around because like they know they're at the top of a plant and they can smell that there's animals nearby and they just wait for you to walk into them. They aren't dropping out of trees. They aren't, uh, I don't know, a bunch of other things that people think that ticks do. (laughs) They just kind of sit and wait. Some species are a little bit more mobile than others, but most of them are just going to sit there and wait for something to walk by and brush up against them. They have fun little claws at the end of their arms to grab onto you. Are they fun little claws? Yeah. Why are they so fun? They're just cool looking. Are they like a single claw or are they like a pincy claw? I think it's like, like, I saw a video. It was very disturbing, but it it was just like, it was like it had a little finger and it just would like, just kind of fold over on itself and like, it's just ding, ding, ding. Like it was big, like comparative to like the size <laughs> of the, the size tick. Of the tick sure. Like it was a big claw. Um, Interesting. But yeah. Ew. <laughs> I love, can we just take a minute to appreciate that it's called questing? It's like a young, precocious tick going out in the world. Like, it's time for my first quest. Instead of like slaying a dragon or something. They're Mm -hmm. just crawling up some backpacker's leg to suck them full of blood. Yes, yes, yes. There was one time I was searching for uh, monarch caterpillars on milkweed. And I was like bent down looking at the underside of the leaves because that's where they tend to be. And I saw a tick, like, an inch from my face doing its little questing behavior. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> you almost got you. <laughs> oh, it was uh, so disturbing. That's so cool. I've never seen that. <laughs> yeah. I have. You need to look for caterpillars and bugs more often. <laughs> I'm conflicted about that now. <laughs> but sure, yeah. Totally should. I mean, if you see them, then you can avoid them. So. Yeah. But maybe Versus- it's better to not know there maybe it's kind of like spider sniffing if you're scared of spiders like yeah yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) oh gosh yeah so (laughs) the next thing i wanted to talk about was at least some of the pathogens that they can spread and how they are spreading and how to avoid them there's a lot of different tick-borne diseases, like a lot. <laughs> some of them are bacteria-based, some of them are virus-based, um, and like I said, not all of them affect humans, even if they might affect animals, um, or they affect humans less and animals more, or vice versa. I just think it's, like, like whenever you have, like, a parasite of a parasite of a parasite, I just think that's really fascinating. And so these, the oh. ticks... Sorry, not too excited because oh. I didn't realize they were parasites of the parasite. Yeah, or like, like okay. essentially, essentially, like can a bacteria be a parasite? I don't know, but like uh, that's a great question. Yeah, it's it's just like it's not like the tick naturally has this in them. Like it's yeah. being picked up from somewhere and then being transmitted through the tick. So you know, like you know, rats didn't cause the bubonic plague; they just happened to be a vector. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and ticks actually were the main vector, and we're spreading it. Ticks and fleas, so barely even the rats' fault, but they still get the fall. Um, <laughs> like it's mostly fleas in that case. Yeah, I had not considered the implication of ticks. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, okay, great. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, ticks are really good at spreading diseases, unfortunately. Um, And 
it, it, it is, it's going, whenever they pick it up, usually a lot of times actually from a mouse, um, which, you know, things like a uh, deer tick, we tend to think of um, like the black-legged tick that causes Lyme disease. Um, they tend to pick up that disease not from deer that they are named after, but actually from mice, hmm. um, which is strange. It doesn't mean that a deer can't have Lyme disease. It's just that it's more prevalent in mice and then is picked up by ticks feeding on mice. Sure. Then that tick goes and bites someone else and it will spread the disease. What's nice is that even though, um, like in the Northeast, I think like one in three ticks in the Northeast will carry Lyme disease, which is absurdly high. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> as long as you find a tick that is latched onto you fairly quickly, um, like within 24 hours, you're usually okay. It takes a long time of it feeding on you for that disease to be passed on, whether it's a bacteria or a virus. And sometimes it can take days. So you're, if, as long as that tick is not like engorged and just like super plump and like jolly, not jolly rancher, gusher, (laughs) gusher size on you. (laughs) Different and so much worse. Okay. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, then you're probably fine, but it's always good to keep a tick just in case. If you are in a place where tick diseases are very prevalent, um, and you get bit by a tick, save the tick, um, either in a jar or even on like a piece of like tape because it'll be helpful for IDing it to know what kind of diseases it can carry since different species carry different diseases. But also you can test ticks sometimes in order to see if it is infected with anything. So Hmm. I think for the most part, most places are not asking people to send in ticks anymore just because it's a very time and money involved process. Um, and most of the ticks that they were getting didn't have anything useful. So oh, okay. So don't save your ticks. You can save your ticks if you get sick. It's helpful to know what the species is and if it carries something. But you don't want to just, like, send your ticks off to the lab. It tends to be a waste of money. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So save your ticks, but you don't need to send every single one that you get somewhere. And for someone like me who does a lot of hiking and gets hundreds of ticks every year... D- d- there's just no way. Yeah, you wouldn't even know, like, which tick actually gave you the yeah. disease or if you even found the one that did. Mm-hmm. Even if you check all your crevices all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And something really fascinating to me about this whole, you know, them being a vector is that when a tick is infected with the disease, sometimes that will actually make it act differently uh give an example are we talking like like a bacterial disease or a Mm -hmm. virus okay yeah so um there are some pathogens that ticks can pick up that will actually um increase the tick's ability to feed by increasing the antihistamine properties in the tick's spit so yeah wild Others will change its behavior and make that tick more active and more likely to climb up, you know, pieces of grass and bushes and stuff and do that questing behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like um, like toxoplasmosis in mice and like making them stand out in the open so they get eaten by a cat right. or um, the uh, fungus that makes uh, – snails climb to the top of reeds to get eaten by birds or the ones that you know infect 
ants and have them, you know, go out in the open to spread their spores. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a sort of mind control that these pathogens are, you know, putting on these ticks. Is it mind? Oh, well, I guess it's the questing behavior. Yeah. Yeah, So I was thinking about the antihistamine one. But yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Are those diseases things that like require ticks as vectors? Yes. So So that makes a lot of sense. mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it it wants the tick to bite something so that it can spread onto a new host, which is crazy. I had no idea that that was part of the story. I've never heard that before. No, me either. Fascinating. They can (laughs) not just hitchhike on them, but like, what's the word I'm looking for? Hijack. Ooh, yes. Hijack them. Yes, yes. (laughs) But everybody's getting what they want out of it, so Mm -hmm. I guess it works. Yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't find anything about, like, any negative implications um, to the tick being infected other than maybe if it's moving around a lot, it might dry out a little bit more because Mm -hmm. it's not spending time in cover and things like that. Um, But, yeah, it's pretty beneficial to both parties, like you said. It's so fun to think about, like, bacteria and viruses and stuff as, like, living organisms, I think we have such a tendency to mm-hmm. relegate them to their diseases that they produce that it sometimes, yeah, I forget that they're too a living organism that has like needs and yeah. wants as much <laughs> as a bacteria yeah. can want something mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and biological processes outside of their diseases. Yeah. So. Huh. Yeah. Super cool. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. They should... Well, I guess for them, they've picked a great partner. Yes. I was going to be denigrating toward ticks, but, <laughs> you know, I guess it works out. So. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to highlight a couple of the different diseases that ticks can carry. Um, this is not by any means a comprehensive list. And I highly recommend everyone do their own research just so that you're familiar with some of the symptoms and so that you can seek medical help if needed. But we'll also talk about, even though these sound kind of scary, why you don't need to worry too much and it should not hinder your experiences while you are outside. So (laughs) the first one I wanted to talk about um, is tick-borne encephalitis. So this Mm -hmm. is a big one um, throughout Europe and Asia. It is fairly common, um, but it is mainly a woodland disease. But it presents with... Uh, muscle ache, fatigue, fever, which is pretty common for all of our tick-borne diseases and like the flu and a lot of different <laughs> illnesses that people can have. Um, but it can also get to a point where it's extremely severe um, and it affects the lining of your brain and spinal cord and causes inflammation. Um, so not a good thing. You know, other words for this would be meningitis Mm -hmm. or encephalitis. So it can actually cause swelling of the brain, um, which is not a good thing. Um, And if it's not caught early, can absolutely be fatal or cause some pretty severe long-term effects. There are some Far East Asia, like, variants of this disease that can have mortality rates of up to 35%. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. It's it's not a good one. It is extremely um, dangerous. But again, as long as you are paying attention to your body and taking preventative measures while you're outside, which we'll talk about, um, then you should be okay. The next one I wanted to talk about is African tick bite fever. Um, Obviously, very prevalent in Africa, hence its name, and especially in South Africa. Um, In some communities, I found one paper that said that a healthy control group 
of this community had antibodies present in 92% of the population. Goodness, everybody's been exposed to it. <laughs> yeah, so like wow. literally just about everyone has it. And these weren't like they weren't showing any symptoms. Like they just tested everyone just to see how prevalent it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's perfectly possible that the other 8% just hadn't had it in a while, so they didn't have antibodies in mm-hmm. their body. Um, so it is extremely common. And it is usually fairly mild, but with um, people that are going that are immunocompromised or um, older in age, um, it has some kind of interesting side effects. We have the fever, headaches, and rash, like a lot of different diseases. Um, but there's also really strange skin lesions that people will get right at the bite mark, um, uh. even in healthy people. They get these red, just nasty-looking skin lesions. Um, and often people report having nightmares. What? That's weird. Yeah. Like, Is that like a fever symptom or weird? I don't know. It wasn't mentioned in literally any of the other tick-borne diseases that I looked at. But for some reason, um, tick bite fever, specifically people mentioned having terrible nightmares on it. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Don't like that. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. But yeah. And it, it can lead to brain swelling, coma, gangrene, um, mm. and even kidney and liver failure. So it can be, again, extremely dangerous for immunocompromised people. But considering 92% of this community had it and probably didn't even know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not usually ex- uh, fatal or dangerous. So. Sure. But I, I was extremely surprised at how prevalent it was because I couldn't find anything like that for these other diseases. Yeah, that's wild. Is that a virus or a bacteria? Um, this one, I believe, is a virus, but I did not write it down. Wild. Dude, there was um, – it's wild to me how common these tick-borne diseases are mm-hmm. in other places and stuff. I guess, are these only affecting people? Do they affect animals too or – um, I, from what I saw, I mean, it, it can affect animals like livestock and stuff like that. Um, but the cases in people are going to be more often reported. Um, so those are the ones that are focused on a lot of the times. Yeah. You awakened a memory of a vet oh. show I'd watched, which was actually in Australia, yeah. not England. I was like, mm, it's one of those places <laughs> that's been related to England at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, they uh, had a dog come in at the vet clinic that had, like, tick paralysis. Mm, yeah. And there's, like, yeah. a paralyzing tick in Australia that's really common. Yeah. And I don't know if that can affect humans. Or I think maybe humans just catch it, the ticks, faster, so it doesn't really affect them as much. But, yeah. like, when it's been latched onto a pet for a long time, it gets enough of the toxin in it that it, like, just paralyzes them. And stuff like that is yeah. absolutely horrifying yeah. to me. Like, I thought we had it bad in the U.S., <laughs> but there's so much out there. Yeah, it's terrifying. Oof. Yeah. I don't know why I have it in my head that ticks are such, like, a, an American issue <laughs> to deal with. Well, it, it's fascinating because, um, like, when I was doing the research for this podcast, and especially this disease portion, like, okay, yeah, ticks live on all continents. But what are they doing in other continents? It's... Yeah. The algorithm or the CDC or I don't know who, but like whenever you search for this stuff, you only find stuff related to like American ticks and American tick diseases. Like it's really hard to find um, stuff on what's going on in the rest of the world. It's very strange. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 
Like I literally, um, for like uh, the tick-borne encephalitis, I was on the European Center for D- Disease Control website. Wow. Um, so like that's the only way I could find out like what diseases they had over there was uh-huh. to go on like, you know, a, a big website like that. So, yeah. which is a cool website. Their fact sheets were very good. Yeah. Um, the CDC has a good one too, but yeah. Well, CDC can still learn new stuff. Take notes, CDC. <laughs> yes. Maybe yes. we should fund our institutions better i don't know just an idea (laughs) just an idea Uh, (laughs) but speaking of american ticks and the cdc um um, i pulled out a couple american diseases and just because i feel like these are ones again people probably know about um but maybe not how serious they can be Mm. um for instance lyme disease i feel like is unless you have either had it or know someone that does I feel like Lyme disease is almost like a joke. Like people do not take it seriously mm-hmm. at all. And it's like, oh, you're going to get Lyme disease. Watch out for the bullseye rash. And like, I'm glad that people know that you can sometimes get a bullseye rash, but people also don't know that that's maybe 20% of cases. Mm-hmm. And so just waiting for a bullseye rash is not a good way to do it. Because if left untreated, Lyme disease can stay with you for the rest of your life. And it can cause really severe um, arthritis um, and just really not good things. Um, Heart palpitations, uh, weakness and fatigue that lasts for years. Um, it's, It's a very serious disease. And like I said, one in three ticks in the northeast carry Lyme disease um, so it's also very prevalent depending on where you live yeah. um, other other parts of the U.S. barely have it or don't have it at all um, but if, if you live in the northeast you should be reading up on Lyme disease and take it seriously yeah one that is a little bit more common in the midwest is going to be Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever um, and this one is has a fairly high mortality rate if it is not caught quickly. Um, And it's one of those that is kind of interesting because it has a really quick incubation period of only like three days. Mm -hmm. And then you start showing symptoms. Um, And then once you start showing symptoms, you have about five days to get to the hospital or you have a high chance of liver or kidney failure. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a friend that I did field research with Hey, Melissa. Um, and uh, <laughs> she almost died <laughs> in the hospital um, because we were out in the middle of nowhere and she had a fever and she wasn't feeling good. She actually kept working um, one of the days that she wasn't feeling good. Mm. Um, and she stayed at the hotel the next, I think, just one day. She stayed at the hotel and she ended up getting rushed to the ER um, and stayed there for like a week because um her organs were failing like yeah like she almost died um and i mean she went from perfectly fine out in the field doing you know five miles of field work to in the hospital within a week like that's crazy yeah what sorts of symptoms would make you want to seek out treatment or like make you go to a hospital finally like is it just like a super high fever or yeah um fever difficulty breathing um things like that it has a lot of the same symptoms as some of these other ones unfortunately Mm. um and Mm. then yeah and then all of a sudden (laughs) you might be having a necrotic limb that needs to be um you know amputated or your kidneys failing so yeah 
it's it's gnarly. <laughs> so if you <laughs> if you live somewhere where Rocky Mountain spotted fever is common, you need to know more about it. Mm-hmm. And it is spread only through the American and the brown dog ticks. So if you are out and about um, and you find a um, dog tick on you and it's engorged, um, keep an eye out. And if you start getting a fever, you need to go to the hospital and you need to tell them that you know exactly what kind of tick it was or have it with you. So that's when saving the tick can be really helpful, um, especially because sometimes doctors don't want to believe that you know what is happening to your own body. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you save the tick and you show them like, this is a dog tick, it was on me. Like, and now, you know, four days later, I have a fever. Like that there's a high chance that it is Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So- Wow. Is that in Kansas? It is in Kansas. Yeah. Mm. My friend um, got sick in Kansas. I think we were in Western Kansas. Okay. Over 60% of Rocky Mountain spotted fever cases come from North Carolina, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Missouri. Rocky Mountain spotted fever, though. (laughs) I know. The name is a misnomer. And again, so it's important to actually know more about this. Yeah. I had no idea you get it in North Carolina. Yeah. 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 Hell. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, that's... Making me un- ir- irrationally angry. <laughs> as it should. As it should. I'm so... Oh, that's maddening. <laughs> uh, who did this to us? <laughs> who do we have to beat up? Anyway, I don't know. No, please continue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... It's, it's interesting that, yeah, over 60% of the cases are from those five states that are nowhere near the Rocky Mountains. But, you know... It is what it is. <laughs> the last one I wanted to talk about is one that is uh, near to Rachel's heart. Um, oh, don't even. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's Afflegal syndrome. Which uh, is not a disease. Yes. <laughs> would but you... I am diseased with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Would you like to tell the audience your experiences with Afflegal? Um, I'll just tell you it's the red meat allergy. Yeah. So it's an allergy. Um, it's an allergy to the alpha-galactose protein, which is a carbohydrate. So it's present in the mostly fat tissues, but like in the, the muscles, the bodies of the mm-hmm. blood of um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mammals with like the only exception I know of being um, – certain a certain branch of african primates that includes humans so probably eat certain apes Mm -hmm. you can also eat your friends yes and like chicken (laughs) yeah um as far as mammals go yeah yeah yeah, otherwise you just gotta eat things with fins and feathers Mm -hmm. if you're eating meat yeah it's pretty gnarly and so it has a lot of the same symptoms as we would expect from an allergic reaction but it can be pretty serious if you don't recognize that it's the meat that is giving you that reaction to the point where people can develop anaphylactic shock and then their organs stop working. So (laughs) yeah, not great. Yeah. It is really hard to catch because unlike most food allergies, your Mm -hmm. system takes a while to break down the food enough to have an allergic reaction to it. So like you're not just putting it on your tongue and then your tongue swells up. Yeah, You have to digest it and then like Sometimes three to six hours later, 
you have an allergic reaction. So yeah. the most common story I see is people waking up like around midnight <laughs> after eating like a steak for dinner and just being woken up in the middle of the night with to an allergic reaction that is yeah. sometimes life-threatening. And at that point, it's like, what the hell caused this? Like yeah. you're not thinking, oh, it was the steak I ate six hours ago. Mm-hmm. So it's it can be kind of hard to catch. Yeah, for sure. Scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, ticks, to say the least, are a little bit of a health hazard to humans um, and animals. <laughs> but we do have some really cool science to help us out. Um, <laughs> that was such a, like, I don't know. I, I just got reading rainbow vibes from that or something. I, I don't know what just happened in my brain. But I'll it felt like it. a 90s infomercial on, like, VHS, VHS scratches. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, we got some pretty cool science to help us out. <laughs> You know uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like what cool science, Nicole? Tell us more. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Gosh dang it. Um, so for example, we have at least we have one vaccine for two. What? Oh, good question. Um <laughs> I forgot. It's a European one. Which one's the European one? Oh, the encephalitis. Yes. <laughs> tick-borne encephalitis. Oh, I forgot man. I forgot to uh, scroll through my notes. Um, yeah. So tick-borne encephalitis does have a vaccine um, that was approved by the CDC like this year. <laughs> um, and so it's obviously not super helpful for people that don't live in Europe or Asia, but it's also giving us some really cool insight into how to develop vaccines for other tick-borne diseases. Yeah. Um, and there's some other, like this one is specifically for the disease, um, but there's some really cool like pseudo vaccines, I guess, that would mm-hmm. actually be targeting the tick itself. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anti-tick vaccine. Anti-tick me vaccine. Up. Let's go. <laughs> right? I'm ready. <laughs> so the easiest way um, would be to w- one that targets the proteins and the spit of the tick. So if Which you... Ones? Sorry, no. of all of them. <laughs> no, of yeah, all four thousand. <laughs> you need uh, just a couple vaccines to get all four thousand proteins mm. primed. Um, <laughs> but it's a really cool idea in that if you have a vaccine and you have this defense already, you know, ready to go, whenever your body detects those um, proteins that the tick is ingesting into you your body won't be like, oh, nothing's happening. It's going to be like, oh, and it's going to be ready to go. And it won't be tricked by all of those, you know, anti-inflammatory, all those uh, immune suppressing enzymes that the tick is trying to trick you with. Gotcha. So basically you're making tick bites annoying like mosquito yes. bites are so that you know the tick is there before it's yes. really engorged itself enough to pass the disease on to you. Yes, exactly. Oh, man. So you're making the tick bite more hell on your body <laughs> to stop yourself from getting extra hell later on down the road. Yes. Fascinating. Okay, I have a problem with this, though. Okay. It's something that scares me a little bit. Oh, gosh. If they – what's to say that they wouldn't – if they can already uh, very quickly adapt the proteins that are being injected into you, Yeah. how do we know that ticks wouldn't just adapt very quickly to not trigger that reaction? I mean, we don't. Yeah. Worth trying anyway, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, hmm. Another tick 
based vaccine would be to um, attack the cement that t- some ticks, not all ticks, um, will kind of produce the cement-like substance around their mouth to make it so that they don't fall out of your skin. We completely glossed over that fact. Oh, earlier. I know. I know. I Okay. What? I did not know this. And yeah. That makes everything worse. <laughs> it okay. does. It does. So not only is their spit like just ridiculous and tricky, but they also produce cement, some of them. Mm. And if we can make a vaccine that will break down that cement, then the tick's just going to fall off. <laughs> so kind of cool. Okay. That's cute. What will they fall off though? I mean, ideally, or at least be brushed off. Like, you would be able to, like, brush it off easier. Okay, because they wouldn't be, like, completely latched on. Correct. So that's why they are so sticky. It's the cement that they produce that's latched their mouth parts into your skin. Okay. Their mouth parts also have backwards-facing barbs, so. But but we think a cement vaccine, wait, a tick cement vaccine (laughs) would be adequate enough potentially to help them just get brushed off anyway i mean it would be better than i mean i would take a a tick without cement than a tick with cement any day oh yeah i would get either of those (laughs) vaccines in a heartbeat yeah 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 (laughs) it's available and approved yes in fact i would be in a test trial i would too shoot me up what's the worst that happens But yeah, so it's 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 interesting. And these are just kind of like thought experiments at this time. Mm-hmm. We have not okay. figured out how to make tick-based vaccines. Um, you keep saying tick-based as if they're like pulverizing ticks in a pulp <laughs> and injecting like a tick-based vaccine. I'm sorry. I'm just, I meant like vaccines targeted <laughs> towards the tick versus targeted <laughs> towards the diseases they carry. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, and hopefully... We'll figure it out sooner rather than later. I never would have had the audacity to suggest that you could vaccinate yourself against the presence of a tick mouth in your body. Oh, no. Never <laughs> in a million years would I think that would That's be possible. Really cool. Yeah. I appreciate the creative thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, because as we learn more about what is in their saliva, we're learning more about how to combat it and how it reacts to different things. So yeah. it's not, it is a thought experiment, but it's not a super crazy outlandish one. Right. So, and yeah. I guess in this instance, like the idea of vaccination, like you're mm-hmm. preparing your body to fight something off ahead of time makes way more sense than anything retroactive. Because, yeah. I mean, the tick itself is going to be gone. And at that point, you're just off with whatever disease they put in you and, and mm-hmm. not just treat the disease at that point. Yeah, for sure. Been trying to do and have already been doing. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so I have a question for you. Oh, no. Whenever you get bit by a tick, does that bite itch? Not while a tick is there. Yeah. Sometimes I do notice it. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it does itch. Yeah. Or it's, like, almost, like, kind of subconscious. You, like, reach the back of your knee and then there's a tick there. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. That kind of thing. Yeah. But usually it doesn't. Like, I've definitely just, like, brushed my fingers through my hair and thought I felt a scab and then it yeah. turned out to be a tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, like, attached. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, this scab is loose on one side. Oh, no, oh, wait. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And that that's – it's normal to not notice they are there. That's what all their fancy spit is for. But mm-hmm. there are some recent studies showing that um, animals and people can start to – if you are exposed to enough ticks, um, <laughs> you can start to – 
actually be able to notice them and they the bites will be itchy and your immune response is good enough that you're able to notice that they're there and pull them out and i think that's really cool like my tick bites are itchy yeah <laughs> like especially after i pull, remove them but like like my body does not like ticks like my tick bites last for weeks after i pull them off mm -hmm. like my immune response is very active against ticks to the point of being annoying um but also it's kind of useful and i guarantee you it's because i've literally had thousands of ticks on me <laughs> now that you bring that up yeah all of the instances that i'm thinking of where i didn't notice the tick mm -hmm. were like from years ago yeah like years ago <laughs> yeah 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 they more recently are very noticeable mm -hmm. and very itchy and I get big bruises from my tick bites. <laughs> yeah. My body hates ticks now. Yeah. yeah. So your body is learning and changing and growing. Yeah. I'm also much better at putting on bug spray now than I used yeah. to be though. And maybe that's part of it. Like mm -hmm. it became so exposed that like I became kind of blasé. I don't know if it's like a thing that field biologists just go through where they mm -hmm. have like a phase where they're like, yeah, I'm good enough material to be a field biologist. Yeah. I don't, I'm not even afraid of ticks. Like I'll mm -hmm. just pick them off. Whatever. Everybody gets ticks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if everybody has a phase like that, but I totally did. Yeah. And you just kind of become numb to it. But obviously I learned that lesson. So uh, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Is the moral of the story. <laughs> and uh, put on bug spray. Yes. Put on bug spray and check your crevices when you get back home. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that there was, I thought it was really cool that like, this is not just like, like, this is a scientific thing. Like, it's not just like, oh, I feel like tick bites bother me more. Like, it's actually possible to build up um, resistances to tick bites. Yeah. So. Well, it's a resistance in the same sense that a vaccine would be in the sense yeah. that like you're overcoming its defenses yes yeah you can still get sick but you at least are yeah overcoming the spit part of it <laughs> that makes so much sense yeah that's really cool super cool it's been a minute since i've had a tick like really latch onto me yeah fascinating yeah <laughs> there's also a few animals that specifically were listed out to have natural resistances against tick-borne diseases what? Um, and I don't know if that's just because they notice them or if it's because they actually are resistant to the disease themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but I saw I found one paper that listed out uh, guinea pigs, rabbits, and some breeds of cattle. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And it's not like it's all cows. Like, it's specific breeds of cattle, which is fascinating to me. Do you know which ones? Not that I know anything about cattle breeds. Like, there's a few that I would be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> I think it's some of the more ancient lineages okay. um, from Africa. Cool, so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Cool. <laughs> I love it when I learn new things from you, Nicole. Aww. It makes me smile. Day I'm so glad. made. Oh, Even when it's gross tick stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so glad. There is also some really cool uh, research looking at some of the uh, like p pain blocking and blood thinning properties in tick saliva and using mm. that in human medicine. So yeah. ticks have a lot to teach us. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It's mm -hmm. surprising to me that it hasn't been 
looked into more. Mm-hmm. Although how recent were those studies identifying all those proteins? 2007, you said? Um, well, there was the one in 2007 mentioned that we only know about 5%, um, mm-hmm. but I found a lot of a lot of more recent ones, like 2008 to 2021, honestly, um, that we're talking more about some of these more modern medicine uses. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't understand how human bodies work. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I didn't look really closely um, at this part of the oh, research. Sure. Um, and also, I'm not a doctor and I don't want people to like <laughs> come at me if I tell them something wrong. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. it's really cool. Definitely worth looking into. Another problem that I came apart, uh, another problem that I came upon was that some of the more recent articles, because the different enzymes and the proteins are so complex, and because we are just now learning about them, a lot of the papers are not written in any kind of an accessible fashion. Oh, dude, okay, <laughs> like yeah. they're really hard to read. Um, and I mean that comes from somebody that reads scientific articles for fun. So yeah, yeah, like they were dense like <laughs> like real dense <laughs> were they more like organic chemistry yes type and using yeah and, using a okay. lot of like acronyms that i didn't know what it was and like listing out the specific proteins and like yeah like markers and yeah just, yeah mm. it was it was rough <laughs> it was still interesting the parts that i understood but uh yeah it was it's hard to get through <laughs> yeah i know that makes sense well, thanks for trying. You're so welcome. <laughs> for our sake. One day, maybe I'll understand Okim, but my D in college was hard-earned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not an organic chem podcast, and there are people out there who do plenty of disease work so that yes. we don't have to. Yes, exactly. That's not for us. <laughs> Wait, okay, hang on. I have a question. Yes. Did you um, come across anything suggesting that chronic wasting disease is spread by ticks? I did not see anything about that. Um, I mean, you, it, but I was looking specifically at like viruses and bacteria. Yeah. So, can prions be spread by ticks? Can mad cow disease be spread by ticks? I'm gonna guess not because they are drinking from like a really shallow pool of blood right by the surface. It's not like they're getting into the body and they're not like getting into like the. Uh, the nervous system and like the tissue yeah like the tissues so i'm gonna guess no but i don't know for sure i've never heard of it happening yeah but it's like occurred to me if you know is that a thing that i need to add to my list of things to worry about all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, okay well yeah um prions are scary (laughs) yeah they're terrifying we'll just put a pin in that thought but Mm -hmm. assume for the time being that because nobody has told us to be concerned about it that we don't need to be concerned about it at this point in time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah let's hope (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, but yeah so i i wanted to that's kind of the bulk of the information that i found i wanted to do like a really rapid fire q a of just like stuff that i hear all the time if there's questions that you can think of that you hear all the time throw them at me um but best way to remove a tick go tweezers at the bottom of the tick there you go yeah that's what i was looking for (laughs) um lift using your back with a sharp twisting motion don't twist 
No, yeah, just lift it straight up. Yeah, straight out. Legs. It's important. Uh, with your legs, sure. Um, yeah, grab as close to the skin as possible. Pull it straight out. No twisting. No squeezing the body. No burning. No Vaseline. <laughs> Vaseline. Yeah, none of that stuff. Tweezers as close to the skin as possible. Pull straight out. Yank that sucker out. Yeah. Don't. It does not need to be fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't make them throw up into you and get yourself sick. Um, best way to avoid ticks. Stay inside. No. I mean, yeah, but... (laughs) Uh, You mean most effective way to go outdoors and avoid ticks. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Permethrin. Yeah. Prevention. Is that the right word? Sorry. Permethrin is the rat mucus. Yeah. Yeah. Permethrin is the chemical. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, um, you know, it's eco-friendly. You don't have to worry about it, like, getting off your clothes and stuff like that. So that's nice. Um, And it doesn't look sexy, but tuck those pants into your socks or into your boots. Wear a belt. Um, I know some people that um, if you wear long sleeves is super useful, but I also know people that have, like, rubber bands and, like, like stuff on their sleeves to like cinch it because if you create all these cinch points on your body then your ticks are going to be at those cinch points so it makes them really easy to find Um, oh that's why yeah 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 Uh, i always thought it was just like a useless attempt to keep them out of your clothes which does not make any sense Mm -hmm. i mean it will keep them out kind of but they'll just find somewhere else to get in yeah Yeah, sure sure (laughs) but yeah it's creating those choke points and that's why you always find them like around your waist or like if you're someone with boobs and you wear bras they're gonna be underneath your bra yeah. um because they find a nice little like tight spot and then they just hunker down and start feeding there so jerks yeah do ticks burrow inside of you no do they fall out of trees no uh will they hunt you out across a prairie yes kind of yeah usually at the stumble they'll come them. closer to you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they will um what do you do after a bite? Cry. Um, sure, but also monitor the bite spot <laughs> and monitor yourself for symptoms. <laughs> yeah, that one. That's the one. Try not to itch it. <laughs> yeah. Every time you itch it, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. So should you shave your legs? That is a hot topic of debate. <laughs> uh-huh. I have personally run a very scientific experiment <laughs> on this front and uh, came to the conclusion that if you're wearing shorts, mm-hmm. hairy legs is going to get you more ticks. But what if the hairs help you feel them crawling around? See, I also have that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I'm wearing pants, mm-hmm. I'd rather have hairy legs so that I can feel them crawling up in there mm-hmm. more likely. But I also feel like if I'm able to wear shorts... Mm-hmm. Then I don't want to have hairy legs. I want my legs to be smooth, and then I don't pick up any ticks. Yeah. I appreciate your scientific input. Thank you. Thank you. I will say that at one point, um, trying to collect a tick for a photo shoot, um, (laughs) two people wearing shorts that had shaved legs walking through tall grass failed to pick up a single tick Mm -hmm. to use in the photo shoot, and then a person wearing shorts with hairy legs walked through and we got one immediately. So, <laughs> same area and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very scientific. Take that for what you will. Yes, yes, But yes. yeah, I do like being able to feel them mm-hmm. on under my clothes. Yeah. And ideally, you should be wearing pants and long sleeve shirts if you're going to be in an area where you know there are ticks. 
Yeah. It helps. Well, because if they get on your clothes, you can just pick them off. If Whereas, they're on my leg, I can pick them off too. Though. See, this is maybe another hot topic yeah, of debate because yeah. I feel like I have an easier time <laughs> seeing ticks crawling up my leg versus mm-hmm. seeing a tick on all the wrinkles of my pant leg. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can. I can. Oh, my best tick defense <laughs> so far to date. Like, oh my gosh, it's almost magical. Zip off pants. What? Because I always tuck them into my boots, and whenever ticks would get on my boots or my pants, they go up because they naturally just want to go up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they would get caught underneath like the little zipper flap. <gasps> oh, because there's a flap that goes over your zipper, yeah. like on your thigh, and then they all get caught there. Yeah. What a bunch of idiots! It was amazing. <gasps> Every time I would lift up that flap, there would be like twenty ticks underneath. Oh, it. that's disturbing. Yeah, Nicole. but they would just be sitting there, and they wouldn't be attached to me, obviously, because they're on the outside of my pants. Okay, it was amazing maybe this settles the debate forever get (laughs) zip off pants that's the answer yes yes. okay wow (laughs) don't let anyone tell you they're not sexy because they're amazing and functional do what you want with the hair on your legs (laughs) but just buy zip off pants yes yes (laughs) um but don't zip them off until you check for ticks underneath the little flappy flap (laughs) (laughs) oh that's fun man imagine if like I don't know, the uh, corporate outdoors world marketed those things differently. Yes. <laughs> like tick traps. <laughs> uh, um, hmm, interesting. If you're uh, my friend's dad who works for Cabela's, hi. Uh, <laughs> you can take this idea, but uh, just don't make any of the merchandise pink. Thank you. You can pay us for the idea. <laughs> it's our idea. Trademarked and everything. Totally. Uh, but yeah. God. That's all I had. Well, okay. I had a a really fun quote by a tick biologist. Oh, no. That I wanted to share. Um, This was during, it was an interview um, with uh, Lorenza Beatty, a curator of the uh, U.S. National Tick Collection, (laughs) which is housed at the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History. Which is pretty amazing. They have like 96% of the world's ticks in this museum collection. That's impressive. Yeah. Wow. It's insane. Um, But yeah, so they were asked, among the approximately 900 tick species found in the National Collection, do you have a favorite? And Lorenza responded, no. Because of the enormous variety of survival strategies developed in ticks, each is a fantastic story in itself. I appreciate that so much. Talk about loving the underdogs. I know. It's so good. Oh, I just got like happy goosebumps. I know. We're talking about ticks. (laughs) But I, you know, even with an animal that you might personally not like, it's so heartwarming to see other people appreciate them and like them because somebody has to like Mm -hmm. they have to be like if nobody else did i would suck it up and i would love them to death you know what i mean like because somebody (laughs) has to do that Mm -hmm. it's important that somebody loves everything yes yes and i'm glad that ticks have people out there that just love them that much yes it's so good But yeah, that's ticks in a nutshell. Um, Don't come at me if you get sick because you took my advice. Um, But don't let ticks stop you from enjoying the outdoors because 
99% of the time, as long as you're doing tick checks and you're doing preventative measures like tucking your pants inside of your socks and just looking so fly, you should not have a problem. So get out there and take a hike. <laughs> Thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, the Best Biome is produced through a nonprofit, Grassland Groupies, which is dedicated to inspiring conservation of grasslands. And I guess the ticks that live in them, sure. <laughs> uh, in the show notes, you can find our website, phone number, social media accounts. So text, call, or tweet your suggestions, your fan mail, or your hate mail. If you enjoyed the show and want to support us, tell your friends about us and leave a review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. We couldn't do this without your support. And uh, I guess that's all we've got for you. So we'll see you guys again in a couple weeks. Peace! <laughs> Beautiful. I'm crying. Don't cry about ticks. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. But remember, <laughs> the only prevention is abstinence. <laughs> Stay inside.